I want to talk about greatness, and some of you might not think that you really care about greatness, but here's what I mean by that. Most of us desire to be seen as competent in something. We desire to be seen as good in something. I mean, I don't care what, you know, if it's your job. If you dig ditches, and you dig ditches with four other people, you want to be seen as, you know, the one who does it well. You want to be respected. I, I don't care what it is. When you look through the Gospels, you find the disciples constantly fighting over who's the greatest. And when you look back at their lives before Jesus, many of them weren't necessarily trying to reach the heights of greatness as far as others were concerned. I mean, many of their professions were fishermen. That's what they were going for. But when you get a group together and they're all doing the same thing, oftentimes we want to be seen as, as good at something. But what if your definition of greatness and the things that you're focused on are different than the Lord's? And what if, what if the things that the Lord wants you to be good at, you're not really going to receive credit for right now? You're going to have to wait until you stand before the Lord. Would you be willing to do that? Now, I want to say yes, but i got to be honest with you, I struggle with it. Because I am an especially driven person. If I do something, I want to do it well. Recently, I was sitting down with a former high school classmate. Somebody I hadn't seen in a while, and it's somebody I really appreciate, and I, I love talking to, and so on. But this high school classmate, in the area that they are in, are seen as someone who's reached the, the pinnacle of, of what they currently do. If I were to tell you the position that they hold, you would have been like, wow, that's really impressive. And I remember after speaking with them, I was having another conversation with somebody and, and I was telling them about, you know, how I was speaking with them. And they were like, wait, how do you know them? And the insinuation was, how does a peon like you know them? And I was like, are you kidding me? Because I'm thinking back to high school, okay? And I know this is going to sound a little arrogant or whatever, but I'm trying to be real here. This is what's going on in my heart, okay? In high school, okay, I was the captain of the basketball team. I was the president of my class. I was dating the prom queen, which was Nikki, by the way. Okay, when you had most likely to be successful, okay, I was that guy, most likely to be successful. This person was not necessarily that person. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, are you kidding me? And it's killing me inside. And I'm frustrated because here's the deal. Because afterwards, I really sensed the Lord come to me and say, do you want to be seen as great in my eyes? Or do you want to be seen as great in the world's eyes? Because here's what I want to share with you. You're going to have to make that choice. Because the chances of you being seen as great in God's eyes and the world's eyes at the same time are probably not going to happen. Now, it could, it could happen. When you think of uh, somebody like Joseph, who was second in command of, of Egypt, he was great in God's eyes because he continued to follow God in prison wherever. He was about God. And a God allowed him to be in a place where others looked at him and they're like, 
you know, he's a great person. Think about King David, King Solomon. So it happens, but honestly, for a lot of us, it doesn't. You think about Moses, you know, for a while, he was just a shepherd for a long time, but then, you know, then God used him to deliver. So it can happen, but, but here's my point. My point is, is that you cannot chase greatness in this world and chase greatness with the Lord. You are going to have to decide. And many times you're going to have to come to a crossroads and say, which way am I going to go? Because the Lord oftentimes has different priorities than we do. I want to look at a passage this morning that talks about this very thing, and it talks about some of the different priorities that we see God having. And then at the end of the passage, it's going to talk a little bit about greatness, and it's going to have some wise words from Jesus. Luke 13, beginning in verse 22, is where I want to go. Luke 13, verse 22. Verse 22 says this. It says, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he went, always pressing on toward Jerusalem. Okay, now I want to stop right there. I want to capture something. Jesus didn't just stay in Jerusalem. Why is that important? Because Jerusalem was the epicenter. Okay? Jerusalem is where everything happened. If you were somebody, guess where you need to be? Jerusalem. Uh, the brothers of Jesus even said to him at one time, hey, if you're going to be anybody, you need to go to these functions, okay, where there's a lot of people and let yourself be known. But I want you to capture something. That's not what Jesus was doing. Where was he? He was in the towns and villages, Towns and villages. Now, we have a town here. Uh, close to us is Valir. That's a village, okay? We have these small places that honestly, a lot of people don't know. Recently, I was at some training, and right at the beginning, somebody said, Who here's from Valir? And the point was, nobody knows where Valir is. Who in the world is from there? And, and, it, and it was a mocking thing, because that's what we do. We mock the small places, right? If you're going to be somebody important, where do you need to go? You need to be in a major city. You know why all of us live right here? Because we're all a bunch of knuckleheads and we can't make it in the big city. Well, that's what people in the city think. I hate to tell you that, but that's what they think. If you're going to be known as great in the world, you cannot stay here. You're going to have to go somewhere else. But what if God wants you right here? What if this is where God called you? Are you willing to do that? Well, God was calling Jesus to the towns and villages. You remember when Jesus first came? I mean, first of all, people are like, Nazareth? Where, you know, where's Nazareth? Well, that's where he came from. And where was he born? Bethlehem. Okay? That's, a, that's, a, that, that's worse than Nazareth. I mean, these no-name places, but that was where God called the creator of the world to be. So I want you to hear this. At times, 
God is going to call you places and you're going to be like, what? God, I want to do great things for you. Um, God, I, I want to, you know, I, I want to sacrifice so much for you. Why would you put me there? And God's going to say, if you want to sacrifice for me, that's exactly where you go to. Because God cares about each person. God cares about the towns, the villages. He doesn't just care uh, about what's, what's big. And oftentimes, that's where our mind goes. We always care about what's big. We think big equals important, right? Well, that's not the case with Jesus. Okay, it goes on. Verse 23 says, Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? Now, before we read his answer, I want you to think about, will only a few be saved? Because you will get all kinds of answers from people on this. Some will say, oh yes, everybody's going to be saved. Because God's love, and he's not going to reject anybody. Others will say, well, you know, I think definitely everybody, you know, who attends church sometimes, they'll be saved. Plus some of those that just don't like it. So I think, you know, a lot of people will be saved. You've had others who say, well, you know, I don't even think a lot of the people in the church are going to be saved. Because I think it's the people who are actually following Jesus and showing fruit from their lives. Then you've got some that say, well, it's only the people who are a part of this group over here. If you're not a part of this church, then mm, that's it. This is the only true church. So, what does Jesus say? That, that, that would probably be interesting to know. You know, we hear all these opinions, but... What does Jesus say about this? Well, he says in verse 24, it says he replied, Work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom, for many will try to enter but fail. Okay, now this is key. A couple things I want to point out. First of all, the door is narrow. Why does he say narrow? Well, guess what? If you have a lot of people coming in all at the same time, do you want a narrow door? No, that's going to cause congestion. I mean, if you go to a stadium where they're trying to pack in a lot of people quickly, what do you have? You have wide doors and you have a lot of doors. And so Jesus is painting a picture here. He's saying the, the door is narrow, okay? And so that says to me that um, it's not necessarily where you see the mob headed. That's probably not the right direction. The right direction is probably a different direction than the crowd is going. Okay, so that's clue number one. Number two, it also says work hard. Whoa, what do you mean work hard? I thought that salvation was a free gift. It absolutely is. That's what Scripture teaches. Salvation is a free gift. It teaches you cannot earn it. Well, if I can't earn it because it's a free gift, why am I working hard? Well, here's why I'm working hard. Heaven, Scripture teaches, is for those who follow God who follow Jesus, who, who walk in the Spirit. And so if I'm walking in the Spirit, I'm going to do what the Word tells me, 
And when the Spirit asks me to sacrifice, I'm going to sacrifice. That's what Jesus did. Jesus followed the Spirit. He only did what He saw the Father doing. So, if I'm headed towards eternal life, I'm going to follow Jesus. So, why would I have to work hard at that? Because, for instance, Scripture talks about the fact that I am able to walk in the Spirit. I don't have to make things happen. And I want you to know that. You don't have to make things happen. You're asked to follow Jesus, and if you follow Jesus, guess what? You get to do it in the power of the Spirit. So what are you working hard at? Well, here's what you need to know. If you're following Jesus, there are some other forces that are trying to pull you away from following Jesus. What are those forces? Well, number one, you have a flesh inside of you. You have, Paul talks about this. You have a flesh inside of you that does not want you to continue following Jesus. Because the Spirit, again, is telling you to follow the commands. And, and I got a flesh inside of me that, that it doesn't like those commands. My flesh wants to do my own thing. My flesh, when it gets mad at people, it wants to hurt them. Okay? Uh, my flesh, when it has uh, desires, okay, that the word says no to, it doesn't care. It, it just wants to go with those desires. I mean, you know, scripture talks about sexual immorality, for instance. What is that? Well, those are desires that are in your flesh that are saying, do this when the word says no. So I have to make a choice. Do I follow Jesus or do I follow the path of my flesh? Scripture talks about things like carousing, for instance. And, you know, when it talks about that, it's talking about, you know, my flesh just wants to check out, you know. My flesh just wants to, you know, put things in my system that just cause me to, to check out. And so I have to make a choice. Do I continue following the Lord or, or do I do what I want to do? You know, Scripture talks about stealing, you know. Now, of course, I know. None of us here would ever take anything. But if we were to convince ourselves that something that someone has is actually ours and it should be ours, well, then we might do something, right? But that wouldn't really be stealing, would it? Or would it? You see what I'm saying? We have this flesh that's pulling us away. Now, what else do we have? So what am I working hard at? I'm working hard at saying no to the flesh Dying to the flesh and saying yes to Jesus. Because I, I, I want to keep walking with Him. What else are we talking about? The world, okay? There's a system in the world that's constantly wanting to pull me away. You know, if I'm trying to follow Jesus, um, you, you might not do well in your career path if you let that be known. Because you're probably not... Um, you're, 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 you're probably not the kind of person that, that a lot of different people are going to feel comfortable with. So um, you, you're going to need to turn from some of those things because the path that the world's on is very different than the path that the Lord tells us to be on. And so you're going to feel this pull. And so what am I going to have to work hard at? I'm going to have to work hard, again, at saying yes to Jesus, even when my flesh and the world is pulling me away. So is salvation a free gift? Absolutely. Free gift of God. Do you have to earn it? No. Not at all. There's nothing that you can do to earn it. But you need to know this. There are pressures that are going to pull you away from going to that narrow. Now, also, I want you to notice one more part in that. It says, many will try to enter but 
ill. What does that mean? That means that there's many who think they're going to walk through the door. There are many who think they're going to walk through the door. Now, there are plenty of people around that they openly hate God. And they'll let you know it. But especially in our area, we are surrounded by a lot of people who think they're walking through the door. Now, it doesn't just say a few. It says many. Many will try to enter and will fail. So, that says to me, I need to look at the Word and I need to look at my heart. Am I going to walk through? Or am I going to be one of those that fail? Well, Jesus goes on and He talks a little bit more about what that looks like. Verse 25 says, When the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. So I want you to hear that also. There's a time where He's going to shut the door and it's going to be over. Because sometimes we think, you know... I want to follow God. I know it's best, but right now, I just I want to finish this. I, I need to stay focused on this. Well, guess what? There's going to be a time where He locks the door, and we don't know when that time is exactly because we don't know when the end of our life is. We don't know when He's returning. And so we don't want to wait around. The next sentence says, You will stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. What is that saying? That's saying that you are shocked. You're standing at the door and you're pounding and you are shocked that you can't get in. But He will reply, I don't know you or where you're from. I don't know you or where you're from. Now, he's God. How can he not know you? Well, he knows you, but here's what he's saying. He doesn't know you in an intimate way. So the first question is, do you know Jesus in an intimate way? If he's just a thought in your mind, that doesn't cut it. Okay, We've talked before, the, belie- the demons believe and even shudder. That doesn't cut it. Do you know Jesus? And if you don't, listen, you can know Him right now. He's right here. He wants to know you. It just means you saying yes to Him, and it means you saying yes to Him every day, spending time with Him, pursuing Him, doing everything perfectly. Absolutely not. But you're just pursuing Him. He wants to know you. He wants to be a part of your life. Then He says also, I don't know where you're from. Listen, especially in this time, um, People depended on where they were from, the family line that they were a part of. One of the things that you'll hear some of the religious leaders talk about is, you know, we're from Abraham. And what that meant was, we, we, we come from the father of the faith, and so, you know, we're believers and, and we're going to be with God. But Scripture makes it clear over and over that those who are a part of Abraham are those who have faith in God. But many times we depend on that. You know, oh, I'm a member of this church over here. I I mean, I'm sorry, but God doesn't care. What does He care about? Do you know Jesus? And are you walking with Jesus? That's what God cares about. Your daddy was a preacher. Your grandpa was a preacher. Sorry, there's no family. I, I know somebody you get in. You know Jesus. That's the only one. Then he will say, 
Then you will say, but we ate and drank with you and taught in our streets. Okay, now this is powerful because what they're, they're talking about here is they're talking about people that were with Jesus. People who were with Jesus. They were talking with Him. They saw His miracles. They received from Him. And they're thinking that, that they're going to be with Him. But He's saying, I don't know you. So once again, I mean, you've heard probably an analogy like this before, but you know, you can, just because you're in a garage doesn't make you a car. You can be in here right now hearing my voice. Does that mean you're a follower of Jesus? It does not. You can be surrounded by followers in your family, whatever. Are you following Jesus? I can't answer that. You and the Lord can answer that. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you or where you're from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. Verse 28 says, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, what's that mean? Well, when you think of weeping, okay, you're thinking of someone who's seriously sad. This isn't just, oh, I'm a little sad, a few tears. You're weeping. Now, with that, you have this grinding of teeth. What does that express? Well, when you look at Scripture, what you find is, for instance, um, when they were uh, getting mad and some of the religious leaders were getting, to kill, getting ready to kill, it talks about this gnashing of teeth. Gnashing of teeth is talking about this intense anger. So you've got this weeping and you've got this intense anger. What's that about? Well, they're realizing I'm eternally doomed. I'm not getting in. I'm weeping and I'm also angry. Because they realize it's done. It's over. <laughs> I don't want to be there, and I don't want to see anyone here in that situation. So take it seriously. Don't just glide along. Again, the, 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 the door is narrow. So if you're floating with the crowd, you're probably not headed towards the narrow door. Stop. Stop. Step out of the crowd. Look for Jesus and go that way. Don't follow me. Follow Jesus. For you will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you will be thrown out. And people will come from all over the world, from east and west, north and south, to take their places in the kingdom of God. And then verse 30, final verse. And note this. Some who seem least important now will be the greatest then. And some who are the greatest now will be least important then. Why? Because when it comes to greatness in the kingdom, it's all about following Jesus and doing what He says. And what is He big on? He's big on sacrifice. He's not big on drawing attention to, um, to the person. That's not what I'm called to do. I'm not called to, to draw attention to Kirk Packer. But you know what? That's what my flesh wants to do. It is. I need to be real about that. And your flesh does too. And if you say otherwise, you're lying. That's your flesh. That's the reality. But what I'm called to do is to die to that. To die to that and say, Lord, it's all about you. 
But when I say it's all about Him, what's going to happen is I'm not going to chase things that just bring me glory. I'm going to go where the Lord says go. If it's a little village in the middle of nowhere that nobody knows, I'm going to go there. If it's pouring my life into just a couple of people and discipling them, I'm going to do that, even though it's not getting any credit from other places. But it says many who are known as being great now, they're, they're, they're going to be seen as least then. Why? Because, listen, we are masters at trying to appear like we're doing things for other people, but do it for ourselves. We're masters at it. And I am too. I mean, it, it's scary how good my flesh is at coming up with things like that. Because the Lord will point it out to me. I mean, I can remember times where it's like, Lord, I, you know, I want to preach your gospel to millions and, and whatever. And that sounds great. But one of the things the Lord was showing me is that a primary motivation of that in me was just my flesh being known. That was the reality. And so I had to let that die. And I got to tell you, it didn't happen like that. It happens slowly as we continue to say yes to the Lord and no to other things. So, where are you headed? Are you headed towards the narrow door? Or are you looking at the things that the world is giving attention to and are you saying, I want to do that because I want people to look at me and say, wow. Because it is powerful, right? I mean, we want to be respected. Even if you don't want to be, you know, well-known everywhere you go, we want to be respected in the things that we do. We want to be seen as someone who's, who's competent and, and works hard at it. I mean, that, that is the majority of us. But what if God is saying, I want you to take a path that others are not going to understand? Are you willing to do that? If you say yes, I want you to know this. That when you stand before the Lord, the Lord is going to hold those people up. Okay, it, The Word declares that when we humble ourselves, the Lord will exalt. But when we try to exalt ourselves, the Lord will humble. The Lord's going to hold up. This is the one who served me. This is the one who was willing to sacrifice. This is the one who didn't look for glory for themselves. And then what's He going to do? He's going to give them more responsibility because He's going to say, you can be trusted. But for the one who, who tried to take um, you know, ministry or, or whatever it is and try to appear like they're doing good, but it was really all about them. You know, sometimes we mock the politician who takes a picture of themselves, you know, helping a little kid out or something like that. But the reality is that that's in all of our fleshes. And it doesn't get by God. It might get by someone around us, but it doesn't get by God. So what are you focused on? If it's been greatness in the world, guess what? You can change today. And God will help you walk that out. But you've got to be willing to say yes to the path he has for you. Jesus.